What's up, everyone? Hello. Welcome to this kind of random episode. I hope you guys are doing well. If wherever you are listening from, I hope that you are tuning in with clear skies and hopefully a very starry lit night. So um, I'm going to be scheduling an episode for tomorrow to cover the meteor shower that's happening this week. But uh, I wanted to just sort of hop on here today because I've just been working on a lot of things in the past probably few hours. And uh, my mind has just sort of gone into several different directions around things just literally in in space, in science, in the space industry, things that are ever-changing. And I kind of uh, decided to let me just hop on here and see if I can start a conversation with anyone. So I see Mario and Hector. What's up? Hello. Glad you guys are here. Um, this, if anything, would be a sort of unstructured episode if you guys want to join and chat a little bit. Um, I titled this Stream of Consciousness Thoughts on Space. And uh, that is because I noticed that whenever I tend to have more of these open-ended uh, topics, if may, I don't know if we'll just call it that, uh, open-ended um, episodes, that's where the conversations I think tend to get the most interesting. And so I am inviting both of you guys, if you'd like to join and just sort of say what's up, um, feel free to. And I'm going to prompt us with a question of what is your favorite thing about space? Uh, it could you could say an object if you'd like, but I'm thinking more so like for me, my favorite thing about space is this um, sort of pathway to endless curiosity and uh, inspiration, motivation, and of course exploration of humankind, uh, and also just sort of and our human minds and hearts. And, uh, and that I think inspires a lot of art, a lot of technology, a lot of innovation. And so that's my favorite thing about space is sort of this, it's this, like, we treat it, humanity, as to be sort of this entity. But it's it's something I think that's just so much bigger than that, so much larger than having a physical value of a tangible object. And... um because it is so hard to almost grasp around what it is in this sort of like nonsensical description, um, it, 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 that's exactly, I think, what inspires a lot of art form and a lot of curiosity and a lot of just human, you know, folklore and myths and stuff like that around what space is and what it what exists in space. Um, hello to my new friends who just joined, Evelyn. Hello. I did see there was one more other person who joined too. Um if you're just joining, this is a stream of consciousness thoughts on space episode. I didn't even give it the episode a number. Uh, didn't necessarily prep anything because tomorrow I'd like for us to actually uh, kind of break down all the different ways that you can catch the meteor shower, depending on where you are. And I just didn't didn't get to really fully prep it today. Um, and just the past few hours, I've been working on a few different things. Um, some of them being some, you know, p possibly upcoming exciting collaborations with different companies and brands. And every time I think I tend to start a conversation like this with, with different potential people to work with, it's usually around like, you know, what is the grander idea or mission or takeaway for people who are going to be, you know, involved in this? Because as humans, this is, I think, probably one of the most important things is what do we spend our time doing? What do we put our attention towards? 
and kind of tying back to space. Uh, so Evelyn, if you'd like to leave a comment in the chat, um, I'd like to hear what your favorite thing about space is. Also, feel free to join this call at any time. You guys can tap the call in button and say hello. Um, but, but as far as the favorite thing about space, so I, I kind of shared that already and it's sort of this, uh, hard to grasp I- ideology around the vastness of it. And that is what I think leads to our way of understanding it, whether it's verbally, emotionally, artistically, um, through these different formats, whether it is through, you know, creating stories, creating outlines of what you see in the sky or creating ideas of, you know, there being these aliens that have visited earth before type of thing, like the, the grays, um, and of course, all the other stuff that comes out of it, music, art, etc. I think that's like our human way of trying to perceive it. Um, and then I want to take this caller, Mario, and then I'm going to have us kind of maybe talk about what is, oh uh, yeah, I'll, I'll actually jump in and say the, uh, I'm going to take the call. And also Evelyn, love that. I was about to say the vastness of it. All right, Mario, you are on the microphone. What is your favorite thing about space? Oh, sorry. It's a little bit tricky to hear you. Can you come closer to the mic? Okay. I can kind of hear you, but maybe if you keep talking, it might get louder. (laughs) Oh, no. Um, Oh, no. Okay. Well, looks like, oh, there we are, Mario. Okay. All right, let's try that again. Mario, if you'd like to hit unmute, that would be great. Oh, okay. Let's see. If we're going to give this one more shot, I'm not, I hope hopefully it works. Let's try it again. Does it work now? It does. Yes, crystal clear. Okay, yeah. So, All right. Okay, so you asked, you know, what will you predicting about space? Mm-hmm. And you know, in you know, it's very similar to what you say. It is the vastness of it, and it's just. I think back to that feeling I had back in the third grade. You know, when I opened that book, it was mm-hmm. definitely the vastness of it. Like there just, there's just, it's so much. And the fact that we can know about these things, we're like, it's like a single cell exploring the entire United States. Like we're so small with respect to it, but we just know so much. Yeah, like, a single cell exploring the entire United States. That's, yeah. That's such a good way to put it. That's so crazy to get to, to, to think about. Yeah. And it's, it's just really, yeah. Like, that's definitely, you know, the feeling I had back in the grade. And like, okay, look, I say, I say we, so, so much we know. It's about, but also what about the things we don't know? The things that are just waiting to be known. Yeah. It's just, just so much of it. It's just the vastness of it. And, and, you know, putting with perspective to humanity, you know, I always think about the, uh, the pale blue dot image. And mm-hmm. you know, and the speech Carsagan gave, gave, yep. And to me, that's like that's got to be like one of my favorite pieces of, of like science communication ever, because it really it it conceptualizes the things about the universe with humanity in such a powerful way, and and that's you know, and that's really the thing I like about space, you know. And to this day, like I always think about what is it about space I like, and that's part of the question I have to think about for the rest of my life. Yeah. It is, and I, I almost wonder the more that like we live throughout our lives, um, just what more will be found out, and not even like 
what we'll actually find out and discover, but what we'll actually find out and discover that we don't know. So like currently, you know, like kind of almost like, like the example of dark matter, right? Like how we kind of almost like discovered it, like where we were like, oh, we, we have implications that it exists because there's some kind of gravity or gravitational phenomena happening, but we can't see it. So there must be something there, but we know nothing about it. Like, you know, when it comes to the, the, the physical properties of it. And so that that's what I'm excited about because it's going to be almost like more um, exhilarating, but maybe even frustrating at the same time because you're like, oh, great, just another thing we don't know about when it comes to space. Yeah. Another thing yeah. that's waiting to be known. Yeah, I think I think it's a better way of thinking about it. It's something that's waiting to be known. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, while you were speaking, I looked up, um, you know, just this word vast, right? Like we, we were so used to it, I think, just from like using it so much literally to describe space. So I was like, let me just see like what the, you know, the, the proper you know definition would be through Webster Dictionary. And it says a very great extent or quantity or immense so then I'm like, all right, let me look up immense, extremely large or great, especially in scale or degree. So it's like, it's this, this just like large amount of space. Um, and like, obviously, that's why I guess it's just called space, because it's like, when you have space here on Earth, uh, like if you have like a big acre of land, or, you know, several acres of land or something like that, you own a big space. Um, but then we only have like, our limit, you know, when it comes to the surface of earth, but now vast, it's like very great extent or quantity immense. And it's like, we can't even like put like numbers to it. I mean, I, mean, I guess to an extent there is, you know, like with well, we cosmic numbers, microwave the, background. Yeah. They usually get incomprehensible, you know, we, we like, yeah. How about light years and, you know, and even then, you know, you know, and even with the vast distance that just one light year is like mind boggling. Like, yeah, and just one light year, and the things are just like in, in mind-boggling large amount of light years away, and it's just, yeah, yeah, and it's like, how do you even conceptualize that? Like, I, I almost wonder, like, because I've talked about light years like so much, or these just very large numbers, because I'm just so used to talking about it. But I'm, I have to sit and ask myself, like, do I really actually know what that means? Like, do do I like? I haven't experienced it, right? Like we haven't, we haven't experienced, you know, millions and billions of miles. Um, so it's like, how can we even, you know, describe it other than just mathematically or through computer models, which, which is pretty great. I mean, like, you know, to be able to see simulations on a computer can help us sort of understand that, but it's still so, it's like, yeah, it's, it's the, hence why I call this episode kind of a, a I guess, a rant, a stream of consciousness thought, because it's, it's like slightly frustrating at the same time. Um, so with that being said, I'm curious, Mario, what would be like, maybe the one thing you probably dislike the most about space? And it could be anything, it could be like, people's perception of it, or like, you know, like human issues here on, on Earth, or it could be like, you know, a, you know, something you just don't like about space, like an object or um, what we were just saying, but I don't want to like give you any, okay. any ideas. I want you to come up with one on your own. <laughs> well, okay. So the thing I, I, I wouldn't use the word this, like, okay, I'll, I'm going to change the question a little bit. Okay. And I changed it to what, what do I find like the most uh, frustrating 
about how okay. it's safe. Okay. Okay. The most frustrating is, well, well, I did say the the thing I like about space, you know, the putting the human perspective onto it. Sometimes, you know, I think about oh, how sometimes our shortcomings come from trying to put the human perspective onto it. Like as you said, you know, the vastness of of, of all things, of all quantities of time, of distances. They just completely like we cannot conceptualize, it. and you know we try doing it, and you know we say, oh, uh, the life cycle of a star, something was born, something died, or we try to like categorize things. But yeah, it's I mean, but is it really life? Is or is it just us putting a personification on it, which is beautiful, but you know sometimes it leads to shortcomings. You know, is this, you know, like uh, how. You know your research was on propolis. You know talking about how like how you know they're like baby stars. Well, I mean, um, mm-hmm. well, sure, and it's beautiful. I like thinking of that. But are they really babies? And I remember the debate of um, yeah, the, the debate of should Pluto be a planet or yeah. not? Well, truthfully, well, I mean, the great lesson in that is that you know when since the universe follows the laws of physics, well, you're going to find patterns. But, you know, categories are a human desire and the universe does not, should, does not conform to human desires. Mm -hmm. Really frustrating, yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's it's like we, um, there's two things I had a thought about that. One is just like what you were saying about like, you know, baby stars, quote unquote. It's like, that's kind of, I think, just a human response to kind of anthropomorphize, you know, like things all the time and, you know, making things human-like. And um, and then the other thing was uh, by following our understanding, I think, of the laws of physics, we end up kind of treating everything as a sort of like mechanical process or mechanical robotic process. But it's so much more abstract than that I from what I just my experience of life. Um, I really think life itself is just so much more complex and multi-layered and abstract. It's just the word I could really think of because I think of Picasso as opposed to, you know, like um, maybe a 3D printed model of a rocket or something, which is still super artistic. They're both very artistic, but one of them is a more of a mechanical approach. Another one is a little bit more of a freestyle approach. And I think that life is is so much more of this like not so predictable mechanical has much more of a chaotic structure to it um it, with certain things but not all things and so i think that if that approach were maybe taken when it comes to theoretical physics and other things within space beyond earth we might be able to really start to shift our understandings of who knows? Like how to even look for things, you know, how to really like explore and how to do research. Um and so so that's that's my other thought that I had while while you were while you were speaking. Um I do want to bring Hector on here as well. So if Mario, if you want to stay on, I'm totally happy to do that. But I do also want to bring Hector into the conversation. Um all right, let's go ahead and Hector, you are invited to speak. You could actually let me see, do I make you the next caller? Make next caller. There we go. All righty, Hector. Um, and Mario, feel free to come back on any time. It looks like it just um, b- booted you off by selecting Hector. So feel free to hop back on at any time. And Evelyn, if you'd like to call in too, we'd love to hear from you. Um, all right, Hector, uh, if you want to unmute your mic, what is your favorite thing about space? All right, mic check. Can you hear me fine? I hear you good. Awesome. Um, so 
Uh, my favorite thing, and you know, as you were asking Mario about what scene he is like, I, mm -hmm. I realized it's kind of like one and the same. Um, it's going back to what uh, Evelyn said. It's the vastness, right? And um, I think it's the like my favorite thing is that I guess we haven't figured out what our place is uh, in this entire space. That's like just think, um, you know, we we are stardust, right? Like mm -hmm. all, all all our atoms were born in a star at some point yet we're only here on earth as far as we know yeah and i'm curious to to know like when at some point we'll figure out like what our civilizations are out there um how did we get how did we came to be here on earth like uh was it some asteroid that brought some um some germs from another planet and so on so you know leading to what it is that I dislike about space is the vastness. The fact that even if we were to um, um, discover um, that there's another civilization, uh, the speed of light is so slow uh, in, you know, uh, in, in, in relation to space that mm -hmm. uh, how are we going to communicate? How are we going to even, uh, I don't know, yeah, That's like send question. information. Yeah, right. yeah. You're 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 so right about that. I, I I didn't even think about that before, really, until I guess yeah. Like right, why we keep having to kind of limit ourselves to the speed of light because otherwise, like we don't know of anything that could be faster. Right. And, and yeah. And like I was I was looking now. Uh, there's a article on Wikipedia called um, "List of Interstellar Radio Messages." Uh -huh. And um, so if you look up, for example, like the um, famous Arecibo message uh, that was sent back in 1974, um, that was pointed towards the Hercules constellation, and it's only going to arrive at 25,974 AD. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I see it. I see it right now. Yeah. 25. That's really long. That's so long. So oh, they're going to get it. So wow. If they happen to receive it and respond, and I know that, you know, this was more of a symbolic thing. I know that we're not doing it with the intent of, you know, getting a response necessarily. But mm -hmm. even if that was the case, it would be like, you know, uh, 23 further additional thousand years before we get a response. Yeah. So, and those who even sent the response won't be alive anymore. And, right. <laughs> you know... Uh, for anyone who's wondering, by the way, I just sent the link there in the in the chat. Um, if you just scroll down to where it says current transmissions in route, you could see um, what Hector was just mentioning. So Messier 13, setting a message to Hercules, and it says arrival date. Um, but I'm hopeful for these other ones. I mean, Cygnus is 2069, and uh, Sagittaria is, is 2057. I mean, that's still, you know, a ways away, but... <laughs> Let's see. We have Canis Minor arriving in 2030. Yeah, that that, that sounds promising. That's uh, it's pretty. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. 21 years. Uh, so let's see. Luiten's star. Does it? Is it a star system? Does it have? It's a red dwarf. Does it have planets around it? Is what I want to see. Right. 
Oh, yes. It says right here, it has two confirmed planets and two candidate planets, uh, which one of which is Leuton B in the circumstellar habitable zone. Okay, so there's a planet in the habitable zone. So if there is any type of life on there that evolved enough to be intelligent, uh, meaning to the point where they can understand radio frequencies, maybe be able to have communication, then they might receive our signal and actually do something with it rather than just, you know, if it's microorganisms, then then they, there's probably nothing that'll be done. And that makes me think, like, what if when we were microorganisms in our early stages of, of evolution, um, did maybe we receive a radio signal from this possible planet around this star system? And they sent it out. And they're like, well, no response from Earth. So uh, there must be no life on it. Like, <laughs> it's right. so it's, crazy. It's, it's just sometimes so frustrating to think about like, about, like, all the things that have to be in place precisely. Yeah. For, to establish, for us to establish communication, if it's even possible. Yeah, it's like in the the Fermi paradox and the um, right. the different paradigms uh, of like, yeah, just we might have missed each other, or you know, it it took us so long to evolve that the previous civilization elsewhere already died out and you know killed off their species, or their species got killed off by an asteroid impact or whatever, or maybe by the time we our signals reached another planet and they're like, oh, there must be someone living on Earth we might be killed out by an asteroid or not have made it to another planet. And it's like, this is why I believe so much in, you know, multi-planetary travel. And like, this is what biggest thing that frustrates me probably the most is the stubbornness of humanity sometimes and the political arguments around this sort of, or the political slash the moral belief, the beliefs that this is morally incorrect or wrong that we should be traveling when that's like not true at all, because it's like, this is this is to sustain life beyond you know our planet this is to sustain life for like like thousands and thousands and thousands of years down like the evolutionary track of humanity and like it frustrates me so much that there's so much that's being popularized around um a negative connotation around space exploration and so like that was actually kind of what drove me to come on this episode today and share this because nice. um that yeah thanks thank you hector um because and i'm sure you you probably know about this too you probably have seen it or you know have received maybe like i don't know like troll comments from because you do astrophotography like or rocket photography as well and so like you know, I mean, anytime I, I post something with a rocket, it's like I will receive comments of like, this is so bad, it's polluting the atmosphere, it's causing these issues, all this other stuff. And it's like, actually, the privatization of space is what's allowing for reusable rockets and allowing for a greater, you know, uh, impact, you know, uh, or a, a, like greater positive impact when it comes to, to climate as opposed to the previous methods being done by all public federal run space agencies. So, yeah, Um so yeah, so I'd be curious if did you ever receive like any anything like that from anyone, or, or if you ever like just walked away from a conversation like that, or actually entertained it? Right. So I've I haven't directly received it myself. I I know we're talking what you're talking about. I've seen other people get those messages. Where like you know why are we spending so much on this when X or Y is happening on Earth? Uh, why do you think this is more important? Um, so. Mm -hmm. While per personally have not gotten those comments, what I have seen is, for example, um, you know, at work on Mondays, we just have like our, you know, basic like, oh, what do you do over the weekend and so on. 
So sometimes I'll tell them like, oh yeah, this weekend I went down to Starbase uh, to check out whatever, you know, um, um, the latest developments on Starship. And I just get like these looks from my teammates like, oh, okay, like, why? Why do you care about this? Yeah. And I'm like, well, I mean, what we're working on, sure, it might be important, but like in the grand scheme of things, we need to make sure that, you know, we 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 become an inter uh, multiplanetary species, and and then in a few more generations, yeah. just you know, can we get out of the solar system? Well, like, what's what's our like really really long term plans for civilization? Yeah, day to day issues. Yeah, exactly. I like that you said past day-to-day issues because that's exactly, I think, like what it is. And it's like we will always have issues. We're always going to face problems. Um, But we have to like recognize that how some of the greatest solutions have come through not trying to directly deal with the problem sometimes. And like that's what probably is just the most like, I don't know, like uh, the most common failure of i think a lot of uh organizations and a lot of like you know human endeavors it's like i definitely applaud i think a lot of individuals for wanting to for actually making active change and wanting to really do that but active change comes in various formats and so trying to tear down other things that you think doesn't align with you like to take a little bit of time possibly to to educate ourselves on what it is they're doing and how that compares to previous things because, I mean, I'm not sure, I can't speak for, for sure, like, you know, your coworkers, but I think a lot of people I tend to come in contact with who um, maybe don't understand why it's important haven't actually taken the time to see the evolution of rocket science, to see how it's changed over time and why it's important, I think, to support and encourage what's currently being developed because it's it's made such a positive impact Um and, it, and and we see the future of how it, it really could be ch- causing even more of a positive impact. And it's like if, if they don't know if, you know, I think if someone comes to me and will try to argue with me until I can say, okay, fine, you're right, this is wrong, we should stop doing it, without them even taking any, like, moment to maybe read the history of humans in space or to understand like the whole process of what happened from the very first rockets and when NASA got established and was initiated and what was, you know, how, how our technology has changed from, you know, solid rocket boosters on a space shuttle and having that fall into the oceans to now being reusable and so on and so forth. There's so much more innovation and now 3d printed rockets. So we don't have to use other types of material, so with that, it's it's almost like, okay, I'll try to approach it in like a, maybe this could be a teachable moment, but then it's like hard when the person isn't even interested sometimes or the group or whoever it might be. Because uh, then it's like, yeah, talking, talk, yeah, just talking for no reason. So so that would be probably a, a, also one of my, my most frustrating things about yeah. space too. And I, I, I think this is like, part of what like um uh part of like science communication just trying to like um um put these things in perspective or in a way that they understand like for example um over the last 20 years um access to the internet has become um basically uh it's everywhere right like it's super easy to get on the internet 
um, you don't think twice about how big a file like broadband is everywhere you don't think twice about how big a file is uh, you can just easily stream video music whatever Wh whereas like 20 years ago that's something you had to think about so mm -hmm. what i'm going with this is that now now that we have had um continuous presence in space through the space station for the last 20 years and now that we have uh, a reliable crew program where we're like we're sending uh crews every six months or so to the space station we basically made it where like um access to space is starting to become more of like routine mm -hmm. and not like uh, you know it's still you know we still have to deal with the rocket equation and how do we send all this mass and so on but it's becoming more and more routine so what will it be what can we unlock once it's so routine and easy to just go to space that we just cannot visualize right now. What was it that 20 years ago we just didn't realize um, how the internet was going to affect us just by making it so easy to access? Can we do that for space? Um, wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's such a, that's such a great example is like with, without the internet, you know, like, there's also so many careers and, and, and jobs and things that people do literally because the internet has become such a pivotal moment for humanity at this current time. Right. So what would that look like for space? That's, that's such a good question. Should we ponder that a little bit as a thought experiment? Sure. And if you want to, if anybody else wants to join in, like just yeah. panel or whatever. Like, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Feel free to. Mario, Joshua, if you guys want to join, uh, that would be that'd be so cool. Uh, what, what would that look like for space? So I guess it would be something where it's like if space travel, for one thing, I guess, became for so just humans going to space became as common as taking an airplane somewhere. That I think right away would change a lot when it comes to like you know, having property in different places, companies settling down on, you know, locations on the moon or Mars or possibly other planets too. Um, there'd be like, yeah, medical facilities, hospitals. So there's that physical human aspect. And then I think like probably a big thing that would come from a lot of, so if it was like how the internet is for us today, but for space, you would also just have, I think, such a different structure of satellites. So right now we kind of just have sh like satellites that are really, you know, orbiting around the earth is the main purpose to try to just, you know, connect to our phones, tell us the weather, all this other stuff that satellites do. But then what would like the purpose of satellites be then once they're beyond that? Um, so like, I think there'd be such an open realm for more scientists that are, you know, currently considered maybe citizen scientists or like amateur scientists or, or researchers that it would probably be so much more affordable and accessible to send up your own satellite with a telescope or equipment and conduct your own research or experiments that I think we're going to see a big shift in scientific knowledge. Uh, and I think that would really start to cause, I think, a big growth spurt in humanity's, um, I don't know, maybe like thought process or brain, brain power. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, Does that, that's what I think. What about you? Yeah. So what you just said just made me realize something um, that goes back to like the internet example. So I'm a software engineer uh, by 
but like that's my main job so that's <laughs> why it's easier for me to like uh, just map back to that but like so let's say go back 20 years um if you wanted to to launch a new company or service on the internet um you basically had to purchase all your hardware um go directly to like a telecommunications company and have them co-locate that hardware uh you know in some data center and so on so it was a a very high friction process that basically locked out a lot of people out of you know being able to do this uh without a lot of resources but mm -hmm. now you have um amazon web services where basically um by virtue of the, the scale of amazon they made it so that uh, they have so many servers and an infrastructure where they open it up so that right now if i want to create a new website or some web service, I can just in like five minutes, um, uh, just uh, have like a service running on one of their computers for like really cheap. Uh, in, a, in, a, in a way that's like really like throwaway. I can easily like iterate and try something out. And I did not have to wait for the whole process of purchasing the hardware, finding somewhere to host it. Um, and that's why, you know, over the last 10 to 15 years, you've seen so many um, advancements into in like, you know, how many iPhone apps you have and services and so on, because it's made so much easier to roll out that infrastructure. So going back to space and satellites, um, right now, um, yes, there's uh, CubeSats and sure that has um, probably opened the doors to, to having a satellite to, to, for example, like student organizations but still, it's it. I don't think it's cheap. Like it still requires. Um, I don't know. Let's say hundreds of thousands of dollars, um, just to at right. least get those cubesats into some ride-share mission. So mm -hmm. what happens when um, that's no longer a concern? You're just you know we're always going up. There's um, surplus um, payload capacity, and just you know sending a small Raspberry Pi computer um equivalent up it's just like so cheap um what happens when like anybody can just send their own satellite yeah that that's like that's so interesting to think about what do you think would, would the price would have to come down to in order for uh anyone be able to send up like a satellite by themselves so i know you were mentioning that it is still like really really expensive today most people would usually i think like if universities and schools would uh get like some type of type of sponsorship to be able to do that um but what do you think it would have to come down to in order for like you me and everyone here to be able to send it up um like 40 bucks or a hundred dollars like what's like the cap that I... you think Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I ideally under a hundred bucks, sure, like that would be great. But I think that just getting it uh, to like under ten thousand dollars, <laughs> that's still within like uh, you know within within the individual, um, like an individual could do that versus uh you know hundreds of thousands you would probably want to have like you know a student um uh group at a college and and some sponsorships and so on but yeah uh, i think too we'd have to start to 
make like some kind of protocol, like like they're like an evaluation process of, I mean, I'm sure the rocket companies can either approve or disprove, you know, the, the satellites being launched. But my, I guess, like slight fear would be like, well, with the increased popul- human population, um, I can only imagine, you know, if, if in one of our lifetimes, how many I've like how many phones have we probably owned in one of our lifetimes or will we have owned by the time we die? Is it going to be an equivalent with our satellites? Like our, our future kids in school going to be like, oh, yeah, why don't you connect to my uh, CubeSat up in space and uh, I'll you download my information or whatever it is. Um, and then if that's the case, we're going to have like a serious space junk problem. But then that could also open up a whole new like innovation and society and, and, and company that could then deal with, you know, um, uh, like, like current companies that are working on trying to deal with the space junk problem. Uh, and that's something that we'll have no choice. We'll have to try to, you know, work on and figure out. And I think there's quite a lot of people already making an effort to do that in that area. But then it also just makes you think too, like, uh, well, I guess another thing too, as a, as a software engineer is like, I feel like that would probably take, um, yeah, like 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 software and and internet connection and like just just broadband to like a whole nother level because otherwise you're just gonna have so much interference and what happens when you know like if all of that were to were to crash um, and then it would it would you and then what if people were setting up satellites and it was for like yeah something like quite negative or something sort of bad or something kind of dumb and you know are we going to leave it up to rocket companies to to you know say yes or no to them because what if like you know the the, the morals or the ethics are different for like SpaceX as opposed to you know JAXA or something and so like you know one company's like well someone's willing to pay me to send up their satellite so I'm going to say yes to them, even though I don't really agree with what their satellite's going to be doing in space, which could be like, who knows, you know, exchanging like bad stuff. Like I can't even think of an example, but yeah. I think that one possible way that this might turn out is um, just because, you know, of dealing with the debris issue and so on and like unregulated um, launching of satellites. Um, one way that you might avoid that is, um, yeah, it's, if instead of having all these multiple CubeSats, you just have like um, uh, uh, constellations that are sent out by like some of the established companies, but now that hopefully uh, the cost to launch them has gone down, maybe it would open them up to the possibility that, hey, maybe they don't have to um, uh, limit access to the data that they're gathering or limit access to their sensors because it's no longer um, like a competitive advantage to um, have that mode uh, between uh, you know uh, between their satellites and the public. So mm-hmm. uh, I guess where I'm going with this is that instead of sending your own CubeSat, imagine if like um, a future Starlink constellation, um, uh, it would be open to like you know, you can just uh, like public not use. Not only would it be for internet, it has cameras and whatever sensors, and you can like purchase access. Um, That's interesting. To those, right? So kind of like renting. It's kind of like similar to how Amazon Web Services works now, where like they already have their own data centers. Um, you typically you typically are not like necessarily running your own computer, your server on your own computer from home. You tend to go to like the big players and let them take care of that. So. 
Mm-hmm. We just piggyback on Starlink and Blue Origins um, constellations and so on. That might be one way. That's so such a good idea to think about too for like a startup for a company to be a yeah like a sort of a sort of middleman to have all these satellites accessible to then rent out to the public who want to actually like use their satellites for different purposes like yeah upload download data um, or conduct experiments or if it has cameras be able to like image the sky in certain areas that's so interesting this is this is I love this conversation because this is like looking forward you know. 200, 300, 400, 500 years, um, and then what that would look like if we truly do achieve becoming an interplanetary species, because this this changes. I've never even thought about this before, and I, I absolutely love oh, that we're having. Thank, thank you for you. coming I'm on like, here. Yeah, I, I'm just like bouncing ideas here. and just. Like, it's so great. It's yeah. so good. So great. Um, oh, that's so good. Uh, I want to also take Joshua on at the same time. Um, hopefully it won't kick you off, Hector, but I, I did see Joshua popped on here too. Um, and just to sort of update everyone who just joined, I do see Hakeem and Amy just joined. So hello, what's up? Welcome to the conversation. We've basically been talking about everything. This is a stream of consciousness episode when it comes to space. This episode is Space Talk. So we do talk all about different things. Um, and I started the conversation talking about what is our favorite thing about space? And then what is probably the thing you dislike the most? And this has really led us down some interesting rabbit holes. And we currently were just talking about sort of what the future would look like if we do start to have human presence on multiple planets and or the moon um, and where that would lead us in the next, you know, several hundred to, you know, thousand years. Um, so feel free. This is an open conversation to comment anything you'd like or to call in. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and take Joshua at this time. All right. Um Okay, so Joshua, you are up. You are on the microphone if you want to unmute yourself. Hi, I'm not sure how this Bluetooth headset is compared to others. Um, it sounds great. Anyway, uh, <laughs> all right, good. Yeah, um, yeah. So the, the first thing, my favorite thing, is the fact that it does allow us to look forward in regards to what is possible. Like, we may be looking into the past, but we're looking how we can get to our past even, and we can get to our futures. And that just is awe-inspiring. And that overview effect gives you such an appreciation for the planet we live on and the potential. The downside is we have a, a planet that you know is struggling and we have to figure out ways to explore space and capitalize on it with, without continuing to degenerate the planet, in my opinion. Um, so uh, on a positive note in regards to looking forward, and I'm not, I, I don't really want it to be two to 500 years, but I'm selfish because I don't have that kind of time. Um, but Same. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah. I think we're all I'm, in that I'm, boat, Joshua. <laughs> right. But, but I'm, I'm thinking about lasers as a javelin, right? So right now we're using lasers, right, in some capacity or, you know, to essentially detect light from old things, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So if that's a javelin, like that's giving us telemetry to those spaces, right? So it's giving us a location, right? So we can send code to there. Now, it's taking a long time currently, but with the things that are coming online in regards to quantum computing, which that gets into cloud computing and machine learning and all these other things that are going to exponentially increase our powers in these areas, um, you know, that 200... 500 years looks like it could be a long time with that type of exponential increases in technology to at least get code to these sites. Now, and code is DNA, right? Um, 
So um, I'm now in regards to transhumanism, I'm against that. So uh, I think we have to fix what's going on here. But it's also really exciting to think about how we can get intelligence, human level intelligence, to potentially habitable places, you know, through spectrums that we hadn't thought of before. Um, and that is the excitement of space to me is how do we accelerate these things? And then finally, I'll just uh, I'll go off after this. But um, that takes collaboration globally. And uh, we're seeing yeah. that we are struggling with that as a species right now. Um, and uh, but space can how is maybe that pathway to saying we don't we can still collaborate because we want to do great things everywhere we're at. Yeah. Oh, I'm curious to know why it is that you're against transhumanism. Well, because I don't like what are we what are we transitioning from? Like we're all imperfect. Everything is imperfect. Like we're perfectly imperfect. Like what do we need to transition from? Like I'm eventually will we be code? I mean, do I want to answer these types of questions on this type of program and, and then have the No, I don't really want to have that discussion. Um, you know, <laughs> well, I, I'm curious a, because I almost wonder if, you know, because like how we've evolved a lot just to get to where we are right now. So my wonder is uh, and it, it, what, what really starts to spark this idea was um, I'm going to do, do a quick shout out to a show that I did on Curiosity Stream called Suppress Science. And one of the episodes is called Man and Machine. And I interviewed a lot of really great, great people who are kind of working in, in the world of like uh, human augmentation, you know, so talk about prosthetics and things that are just really, you know, helping someone who maybe is, you know, has amputee leg or arm and, um, and then kind of looking at the you know, potential next level that that might lead humanity to specifically because there's a lot of people who are interested in that and people who are doing implants, you know, voluntarily uh, on their own and wanting to do things like that. So what I wonder is, is this another form of evolution? But in this way, it's actually being it's being controlled by by us now in a way rather than kind of natural, maybe but maybe it is natural selection, but it's being brought to us in a different form than what we may, maybe might have seen in the past. So rather than having to survive the ice age or having to survive, you know, being chased by a tiger or, or a predator. And so we've developed this sort of fight or flight status in our brain, which leads to, you know, modern things such as, you know, different fluctuating levels of, of stress or anxiety and how to react to things and being very reactive. It's, that's one format, but with transhumanism, I also wonder if that is almost a small introduction to sort of this interesting path that humanity might be going down now that we've have so much technology already at our fingertips. And have we already begun to merge with machine um, by having our yeah. phones and our and everything with us? I mean, our AirPods in our ears, I have conversations with people and they like have their AirPods in their ears and they have, you know, sunglasses on and, and all this other stuff. And well, sunglasses are different, but um, it almost feels like we're at a point where we don't, we're not in existence without our machines sometimes. And so I almost wonder if this is going to play into a natural selection process as well, where those who don't have access to this kind of technology at all, you know, times might not end up, you know, surviving with the species hundreds of years in the future. So that's, I guess that's why I was like wondering if like, is, is this in a way something we can't even be for or against, or is it something that's just going to sort of happen? when it comes to this sort of merging between the two. 
I, well, with great power comes great responsibility. Um, yeah. And uh, ethically, from an equity perspective, um, who, who, who is getting these augmentations? Is it the marginalized populations, the, the, the disabled, the people that really need them, or are we using it to make a better soldier? Um, and you probably right. know which side of the equation I'm on. Uh, I, I don't think we need better soldiers. Um, and uh, financially, what, is it, what are all these things made out of? Are they regenerative materials? Um, or, I mean, because there's only so much extraction we can do from this place. But again, space exploration gets us to the point where like, all right, if we can get to a body that's fairly close in an economical way, these are a lot of big ifs. Can we mine that without the externalities that we have of mining here? Now, based on our current human evolution and our inability to prove that we can do that responsibly, in my opinion, um, mm-hmm. yeah, the jury would be out. But I don't want to monopolize. Like, I don't want to monopolize your program. But you, uh, this was a great topic for today. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm, 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 I'm glad. I'm always open to this. <laughs> You're going to say something else. Sorry. No, that was it for today, unless you have something else. Uh, I know you have a few other people on the program. Yeah. Well, Joshua, yeah. thank you for coming on. And seriously, it's always, I mean, well, maybe not always. Sometimes we will have more so pl- like planned programming, but this was such a kind of spontaneous episode. So like, I, I love having these conversations with you guys. And that's, that's I think, too, why I... I love that you guys have called in as well because um, we, if we don't have the conversations where we have opposing views, then are we actually doing something right? I think like this is something so beautiful about not only the the society that we we live in right now, but also just like the stage that we've reached as, as humans. But we can actually um, disagree and we can work on better solutions and ideas because it's like otherwise, if we're all agreeing on the same thing, then are we actually at all improving? Um, and I, I'm such a strong believer in that. So I, I although like, I'm not someone who gets, you know, is, is not necessarily comfortable when it comes to debates, I, I'm looking to want to encourage that more and more and more, because I've every time that I allow for myself to get into that conversation, and not that that really necessarily happened at all. But like, if it does ever, I think that that is always, um, again, like room for growth. And just like as I was mentioning with Hector, um, whenever I will speak with someone about sort of, um, you know, my views on, on space exploration, and uh, our current state of like privatization of space, um, which if you guys joined a little bit later, I'll post this episode, you could rewind to that part. Uh, that's always great because then it's like, maybe there are some aspects that I'm being a little bit like, you know, not so knowledgeable on, or I'm a little, little bit hopeful or optimistic or possibly even optimistically naive. And, and I've got to like, sort of bring those thoughts together because otherwise, well, I wouldn't really be a good science communicator then. I would just be one-sided. <laughs> so, and that, that's the beauty of science is, is the fact that we get to sort of weigh these different hypotheses and ideas and, um, and juggle them out and, and see what it is that works the best. Um, so on that note, um, I think this was a really fun, spontaneous episode. Uh, I just want to thank all of you for jumping on here and actually tra- talking about this um, and sharing your opinions and thoughts and just being yeah, very, very open and genuine about it. Um, I think that that's really valuable and important. And 
sometimes it's very hard to come by, especially in the world of social media that we now live in. So I just want to really express my, my deep gratitude for that. So thank you guys so much. Um, and uh, thank you all to, to being here and joining also in the chat. So really happy um, to see all, the, all these comments come through. I just saw a comment I'm going to read out loud from Amy. The majority of people in our society have no clue what AI is. Um, or they'll say, no, I'm against this. I'm not doing going to participate. And they'll say on the internet, with the, you know, exactly with their smartphone. Um, Amy, you're actually, I, it's so funny because I don't think you were on here. What I basically said, very similar to what you did minus the AI part, but it's it was about being against something without really knowing what it is. Um, and it's similar to saying like, oh, I hate peanut butter, but you've never really tried peanut butter. So it's like, how can you know? Unless you're allergic to peanuts, then for sure, for sure hate it because it, you know, can, can close up your breathing passageways. But, um, yeah, but, but I'll definitely be posting this, um, probably in the next 10 minutes, but I'm probably going to be signing off now. But, um, again, thank you guys for coming on here. I'm going to schedule tomorrow's episode. It'll probably be around 3 p.m. Central time just to kind of, you know, hopefully be there for everyone's time zones because I do have some friends uh, over on the eastern side of the planet who I'd like to join as well. Um, and this would be to help cover the meteor shower. So there is a meteor shower that is peaking tomorrow night and the, and the following night. So that'll be Thursday, Wednesday and Thursday. Or what is today? Today is I don't even know what today is. I'm sorry. But the, the fourth and the fifth, we'll just say that. Um, so if you guys want to try to catch that, uh, tune in tomorrow. Alrighty. Well, thank you all so much. You guys are awesome. Amy, so glad that you stumbled into this as well and that you just started following. Um, hopefully I can hear your lovely voice in the future as well and you can join our future episode. But thank you guys so much. Mario, Joshua, Hector, Hakeem, thank you guys for joining. And I hope you get to get outside and look at the night sky. And of course, as always, ad astra.